grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, the Alpha, the Omega, Jesus Christ. Do not go gentle into that dark night. Rage, rage against the dying light. This is what, what the Welsh poet Dylan Thomas wrote for his dad, a poem for his dad, when his dad was dying. Do not go gentle into that dark night. Rage, rage against the, the dying light. As if to say, Dad, don't go without a fight, right? Don't go gentle. Or take Sylvia Plath, who said, I don't believe that the meek will inherit the earth. They are only to be trampled on and ignored by the world. Gentleness, meekness, not exactly character traits people are dying to have, right? Take Martin Luther, for example. Even he had his here-I-stand moment where he took a stand before the tribune of church politicians who demanded that he take back what he was writing and saying, and he said, I cannot. Here I stand. We love that. Somebody who stands up for his principles, somebody who won't take no for an answer, somebody who is willing to be confronted, who sticks by what he knows to be right in the midst of of controversy. On Sunday, we heard in our gospel lesson, Jesus go into the temple courts and overturn some tables and make a whip out of cords and drive out money lenders and animal vendors. It's no secret that this particular lesson from the gospels resonates with a lot of people. You see Jesus standing for what he believes in, being confrontational. Here Jesus is standing up in the midst of controversy. We learn from early on that the loudest voice in the room gets heard, that the people who stand their ground win. Is that what life is about? Winning? But then you get to these stories in the Gospels where Jesus isn't overthrowing tables. He's not cracking the whip. And so if you think that that's all that Jesus came to do, you might get a little confused because we read in the book of Matthew that Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath, Sabbath day when no one was supposed to do any work. But Jesus does the work of saving this man's life. And some people get very, very upset. And we're told that they start to plot to kill Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath. And how does Jesus respond? He doesn't flip any tables. He doesn't crack a whip. He doesn't raise his voice and start shouting. He doesn't take to the streets and start drumming up support so that he can go to his opponents and put them in their place. No, Jesus retreats. He draws away in quietness. He doesn't raise his voice at all. Might we find that disappointing? 
Do we hope for, look for more of the Jesus that's flipping tables and cracking whips than the Jesus who is drawing away in silence when he is opposed? Every day, we are bombarded by the messages that you should stand up for yourself. That strength is good and weakness is bad. That the loudest voice in the room gets heard. That you should fight for a seat at the table. That you should refuse to be left out of the conversation. That you should rise above the rest. That you should be superior. You should show your expertise. You should defeat your opponents. Strength is good and weakness is bad. Pull a leadership book off the shelf at your library or bookstore and you will read that a, lead, a good leader will 100% all the time be authentically committed, fiercely committed to his or her core principles and never let go. And it's exhausting to listen to, isn't it? To constantly be told that we're the ones that have to stand up to evil, we're the ones that have to stand up to the playground bullies, that it's up to us to make a difference, and it's up to us to hide our weaknesses. Show everyone your strength. Don't let anyone see your weakness. That's what's exhausting, because here's the thing. We all have weaknesses, And just like covering up a blemish on your face with makeup, and the way that cover-up will make a facial infection only get worse, the more we try to cover up our weaknesses, the more they hurt, the more they sting, the more they bother us. Because they're there, whether we try to cover them up or not. The more you try to bury your secret temptation, whatever sin it is that you're struggling with privately, the more you shove it into the deep corners of your mind, the stronger its grip, ha- the stronger its grip is on you. The more that you try to hide your doubts or your questions because you're afraid of appearing like you have a weak faith, or like you're not smart enough to understand, the stronger those doubts and those questions will have a hold on you and could undo you in the future. The more we try to run from the things that stress us out the most and give us the most anxiety, the greater power they have over us. Don't you find this to be true? And God knows our weaknesses. God knows what temptations you struggle with. God knows what doubts and questions are on your heart. God knows what it is, exactly what it is, that gives you the most stress and anxiety. So the real question is, what is God going to do with us weak creatures? How is he going to respond to our weakness? He's going to send a servant. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. 
He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. And in his teaching the islands will put their hope. In response to our weakness, God is going to send his servant. And what is the servant going to do? Well, in our lesson for this evening, we're actually told more about what he's not going to do than what he is. The servant of the Lord will not raise his voice in the streets. He will not shout or cry out or reprimand with the the strength of his voice. When he comes up to a bruised, a crushed reed, a stock plant that you would want to use for a walking stick, but you can't because it's too damaged, He won't break it off. Even though, remember when we're kids, we tear off off limbs off of trees without even thinking. The servant of the Lord won't do it because he's so gentle. When the servant of the Lord comes up to a wick that is smoldering, even when we, when we come up to the the campfire that's no longer giving light or heat, we grab the hose, we grab the bucket because it's time to put it out. The servant doesn't do that. Why not? Because he's so gentle. The servant of the Lord dares to go gently into that dark night. But that doesn't mean he's weak. Jesus lived in meekness, but his meekness was not weakness. I had a friend a while ago, I say had because we've since moved away from him. He was a strong, strong individual, physically speaking. He worked a bunch of manual labor jobs, he was in the Marines, and he was no stranger to weights and weightlifting. One day he says to me, Mike, let's have an arm wrestle. And I knew just about how this was going to go, but I still sat down and I stuck my arm out. He grabs my hand, and it practically gets swallowed up in his giant paw of a hand. And I say, oh, great. And he says, all right, go. And I start struggling. I'm sweating. There's veins popping in my head. And his hand, guess what? It's not going anywhere. And he says, all right, Mike, let's go. And I keep struggling, and I say, all right, man, come on. And then wham, he whams my hand on the other side of the table in defeat. He puts me out of my misery. He is clearly much stronger than I am. Now, did he have to do that? No, but he was making a joke, and it is funny. If if we sat down and he defeated me right away, Sure, that would show, that, show his strength, but the way that he withheld his true strength made him seem all the more, all the stronger. Why does Jesus withhold his strength? Is it to make sport out of us? Is it just to show us how weak we are so he can laugh at us? Not at all. But his gentleness shows how strong he really is. His meekness shows how strong he really is. Because Jesus 
was fiercely committed. Jesus was a man who stuck to his principles, but his principles were not to become the CEO of some company. His principle was not to get you to subscribe to his podcast or to get you to book him as the keynote speaker to your next leadership conference. No, Jesus was after nothing less than your very life. And that's why he gave up his. That's why he went gently into that dark light. That's why he did not rage, rage against the dying light. That's why he chose to live in such meek submission to obedience to God's will because of his fierce commitment to saving you. And so, Jesus endured the abuse of his opponents, the verbal abuse and then the physical abuse. That's why Jesus stood in that court before Pilate in the consummate mistrial of the human race, and he didn't say a word. He could have. He had the strength to put an end to that scenario right then and there, but he didn't. And when they took him to the cross, Jesus didn't complain. He didn't call down his angel throngs to destroy all the people who were going to take his life. He could have, but he didn't. Because he was fiercely committed to you, to saving you. Jesus knows your weakness. Jesus knows what you struggle with. He knows your doubts. He knows that you are a bruised reed, that you are a smoldering wick. But you know what Jesus is not going to do? He's not going to cut you off. He's not going to snuff you out. He's not going to punish you for your weakness. He's going to be your strength. That's what he came to do. Although Jesus has all the power and the strength and the ability in the world to do whatever he wants, he will deal with you gently, lovingly, meekly even, because he loves you. He wants to be your strength. Not to punish you or to slap you upside the head when you have doubts or questions or struggles or fears, but to sit beside you, to lead you, to nurture you so that you can become stronger in your trust in him. That's your Jesus. That is true strength. And that's your strength in him. Amen.